What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to pro- and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I am Jeremy Jackson, your host. I've got Dr. Matthew Drescher joining us again from ISU, the DAT program. I've got Dr. Nikki Harris. She's at FIU, and, and she's a young prof on Twitter, so she's a professor there at FIU with her DAT. Scott Mullet is joining me because he just enrolled to get his doctorate of education or educational doctorate though so the edd one we mentioned on the previous two with matt and but did never really cover and then stefan baker was joining but he got called in as an athletic trainer to do some morning treatments and he's got a couple questions that he asked he asked me to ask as well so we've been talking about the phd the edd and the dat and then we're going to kind of compare contrast ask some more questions like i said from you guys the users the athletic trainers, the listeners, and then we'll just go from there and get the different perspectives and different takes. So Matt, welcome back. Dr. Nikki Harris, welcome to the podcast for the first time. And Scott Mullet, thanks for joining us again and joining us live on some of the other ones. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash doctorate degree. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash doctorate degree. All right. Um, Matt, I'm going to start, start off with you. Uh, you get this question a lot at the at ISU. What is the difference between the PhD and DAT? So we covered it, give it in the last two, but if somebody hasn't listened to those, give me a, what is the difference between the two? So I think the, the main difference boils down to the, the style of degree. So a DAT is much more of a clinical doctorate. It's a terminal clinical degree designed to create uh, clinical leaders in specifically in athletic training. Uh, A PhD is much more of a, what it stands for is a philosophical doctorate, Um, but it's much more of a doctorate in um, a specific content area or in research where you're getting a terminal degree in a specific content field. Um, So say for what I'm getting my PhD in is curriculum instruction. So I'm working towards my terminal degree in curriculum and instruction in higher ed versus say a specific profession or something like that. But there's a much more variety for what you can get a PhD in versus a DAT is specific to athletic training. All right. So Dr. Nikki Harris, you have your DAT, right? Yeah. And then I know Matt is working on his PhD. Is that something that you're doing as well? Or is that something that you plan to do or is the DAT it for you? So um, anybody who knows me, I knows I'm a strong proponent of the DAT and that DATs do not need additional degrees, but I have joined the crowd of uh, PhDs. So I am enrolled in my PhD actually in the fall. Um, I've had my DAT for three, almost four years now. So um, I think for me, it's been a change in what I see my future career path going um, as to what it was when I first started my DAT degree. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Well, but. it does. It, it's exactly the same situation as Madison because you see your career as moving towards a PhD. So what is your PhD? What is your PhD tracked? And then where do you see that career taking you? Um, so I will say one thing that Matt hit on. I think for me, the key word is leadership. Um, when it comes to a DAT, I really think that a DAT is a degree in leadership and that varies application wise, but 
consistent within all the DAT programs, I think is the element of leadership. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, obviously I'm in leadership at the NATA level and I think the DAT has helped me propel that part of my career. Um, I have, I was a clinician. I started in the high school when I got my DAT. I'm working as a clinician now, but I'm transitioning a little bit more towards the educational side, um, specifically the research side, which is why I chose to pursue a PhD um, because I felt as though I needed um, just a little bit more education to, to do research independently and not in collaboration kind of with other people. So my PhD is in teaching and learning, but is with a specific emphasis in um, social, social cultural studies. Um, so I do a lot of racial and ethnic disparities and, and that's kind of my research area. So I wanted to make sure that uh, my PhD had a focus kind of more on the public health side or more on the uh, disparities or kind of social or cultural aspects. So. All right, so the DAT is a leadership. And again, as I, I mentioned, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before we started, but I'm applying for a job that's in leadership at our district. So I don't ever intend to or want to work at a college or university. I don't want to work as a, like an assistant principal or a principal in the secondary setting. What I would like is the opportunity to lead our district in sports medicine to improve the situation for our students here. Um, and so from all the conversations we've had, the DAT really sounds like it's going to help me implement the systems of change and give me the leadership skills and, and the style or the, the understanding of how to do that. Because it's just from the conversations you had. I think one of you was about to say something. No? I'm just going to say 100%. All right. All right. So, Matt, what do you said your uh, PhD is in curriculum, not in curriculum instruction. What did you just say? Yeah, curriculum instruction. Okay. All right. And your reasoning for doing the PhD? Um, similar to Dr. Harris, I just saw my... Um, career path and interests moving to much more towards the teaching and learning aspect and the research. And one of the things about the academic space right now is that they're only, they, there's only really an, um, I don't want to say an acceptance, but um, the PhD is kind of their goal, their terminal degree. And I am a hundred percent in the idea that the DAT is well worth it to get into academia. I think that the DAT prepares people well for doing those terminal degree things, but just the way that my path was going, I needed to have that extra level of research experience um, and that level of independent research experience moving forward. So, um, and I just, um, I, I saw myself teaching. So I wanted to spend the, a little bit more time in that content um, where the DAT, the DAT does help you learn how to teach better but it's not designed to make you a teacher. So I wanted to do this program that's designed to make me a, a better educator. And on top of that, give me the research experience and then blending both the DAT and the PhD to kind of do both sides of that leadership within the profession. Scott, you just signed up for your doctorate of education. Tell me, tell me why you chose that. Cause in our previous conversation, Matt mentioned that that'd be basically for somebody who's in education and you're in the industrial setting. So for me, my perspective is the superintendents, the associate superintendents, they all have their doctorate of education or EDD. Why did you, as an industrial athletic trainer, sign up for an EDD? 
Well, first off, uh, that must be a really tough uh, PE class uh, since they're watching Wreck-It Ralph too. But uh, uh, so, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, so really, it, it's not necessarily. So I'm, I'm getting my EDD. Oh, I just applied. I uh, will be taking, starting to take class in June, and I'm extremely excited. Uh, but just, just to go along with what uh, the other have been saying is I'm seeing my career path changing. I want to teach at the collegiate level. Uh, I want to do more to advance leadership within athletic training or healthcare. So as you know me, I'm more about the data, the statistics, um, and really focusing on healthcare economics is more and more, which with my personal research is going into. But my, uh, my, my goal here is, again, I'm focused on uh, an education doctorate, but it's an interprofessional leadership uh, from Kent State University. It's 100% online. And uh, for me, uh, I'm looking to be more of a scholar to focus on research, but uh, I've seen this profession uh, going more towards the public health aspect. And that's what I want to focus on in this interprofessional leadership that I'm going for. It focuses on community outreach. It, it focuses on social justice. It, it focuses on a lot of issues that are happening within public health. And there's a cognate area in specifically athletic training. And um, when we're looking at the profession in general and whole, as a whole, um, there are some concerns for me personally uh, when it comes to, um, you, you know, I know you've probably talked about it before, but the master's entry level and uh, falling enrollment, uh, I know that has been reported by the NATA. Uh, there's some, there's some concerns for me. I don't want to get out of athletic training at all. Uh, what I want to do is I want to try to improve the profession. And I feel that the degree that I'm going for is going to help uh, establish research in this uh, in, in the field. It's going to help um, strengthen the area of what I want to focus on, specifically in public health, or population health management, uh, healthcare economics, and driving the profession forward. And I think we are in a society now that relies upon um, education and the uh, advanced degrees and, and research to back that up. And this is gonna help me further in my career to propel, I feel, the, the profession forward by collaborating with others um, and, and learning how to do that, that specific research and teaching. All right, Dr. Nikki Harris, why did you not choose uh, EDD or a doctorate of education? So I wanted to, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go fully out. I think one of the things that should be noted between like a DAT and EDD and a PhD is the length of time and like the investment that you're going into, right? So some people do choose an EDD because it tends to be a little bit faster um, in regards to a PhD. So it's a little bit more efficient in terms of how much financially you're committing to that um, and kind of some other factors. Um, so for me, one of the reasons I wanted to do like the full, full, no, um, 
obviously I'm a person that got my DAT early. So I've been hearing a lot of backlash about the DAT and like not being, you know, enough. So I've been fighting that off. So I think I wanted to like have no arguments. I wanted somebody to say I had my full terminal education with no, um, you know, no arguments because there is, I think some EDD, there's still a little bit of backlash for the EDD versus the PhD being the full fledged terminal. So I said, at this point, I already have a doctorate. So if I'm going to do another doctorate, I want it to be, you know, the full fledged PhD, if that's the true answer. For me, I think it's really the one thing I always emphasize, whether it comes to a DAT or a PhD, is that your specialty has to be what you're looking for. So, like Scott said, he felt like that interprofessional nature and kind of the topic area of his EDD was something that drove him there. And I think that is huge when you're making this investment to go. So um, even for me, that was one of the reasons I looked at public health, which, and then I also looked at kind of the social cultural studies because I knew that, that was the era that I wanted to focus on. And I'm, I'm going to be doing this degree for the next, hopefully four years, maybe longer. Um, it's going to be something that I really want to make a valuable impact. And so I think, yes, the degree level and the type of program matters, but I think the skills and their specialty area and their focus area is even more important um, when it comes to selecting one. So for me, um, knowing that FIU had a very good school um, and a focus area on that and leaders and research in that was one of the reasons why I kind of chose that specific program um, over some other one. Dr. Matthew Jesher, tell me why you chose the curriculum and instruction out of all the different PhDs, the options available, where do you see that leading you? So I, I see myself educating at um, the collegiate level, uh, post-professional level, and, and ISU has a specific cognate area in curriculum instruction with a focus in athletic training education. So I was able to kind of combine both of those worlds. Um, similar to what Nikki just said, though, I could spend the energy and time um, battling academia to argue that the DAT is well worth my ability to be able to teach at that level. Um, but there is still going to be, an, there's going to be a necessary amount of time before it starts to phase into the system. So um, part of that was getting my PhD to, to get that ultimate terminal degree in terms of teaching, but also now I can educate future athletic trainers with my uh, education in my PhD program, but my, also my what I learned and what I've gathered through getting my DAT and instill some of that back into the system while also kind of using that position to advocate for more DATs coming back into the system. Um, so that is it's kind of a multi-factor thing for me right now, but um, I think for the most part, uh, my choice for this PhD was to educate the future of athletic training um, and be able to integrate or, or uh, reflux some of that education as a DAT holder back into that system. I would just jump off the back of that real quick for a minute. Um, for me, I think you also, a lot of people decide that they want to pursue education, right? That's why they go into like an EDD or a PhD degree. But I think you also have to um, decide at which level you want to educate. So now that we're at the master's level for the professional students, um, I think teaching professional level students differs very much from teaching post-professional students. 
Um, and you kind of have to get an idea of, not to say that the skills can't be transferable from one to the other, but the content areas vary um, very largely, as well as the techniques that you're using to teach, you know, a more advanced adult learner versus that professional student. So I do think it takes a little bit of emphasis there um, in determining what your contemporary expertise is and what type of student you're looking to um, participate in educating. It does make a little bit of a difference. What would be the salary difference between the PhD, DAT, and EDD? So whoever do not do it for the salary. I'm sorry. Do not do it for the salary. That is not nope. That question. Just, you I'm gotta, just, you gotta do it stable. for what your values are. You gotta find your values, find your worth, find what you want to do and what you want to impact, and that's why you do this. I mean, you, you could go to a rural school district and be an administrator and not get paid very much. You could go to a wealthy school district, be an administrator, and get paid a lot. You could go to a, um, a less abundant collegiate setting and not get paid very much you could go to a power five school and get paid a lot like it the salary depends on where you go and who you're working for but the the content needs to reflect your your values and your wants this is it's too difficult to go through this process and then come out of it and advocate for the profession to just do it for the money so mm -hmm. yeah and i think too what we have to focus on is the experience that's going to happen if you go down that direction. And, you know, who knows who you will meet throughout this experience. Um, you know, there are tons of people that are going through the same coursework and networking, and that could potentially lead to down a different road. But absolutely, I echo that it's for me, it's 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 not about, you know, making extra money. It's not about uh, this, that and the other. For me, it's about uh, focusing on what I can do to help not only athletic training, but healthcare in general, right? Uh, just because we live in such a, a, a broken healthcare society, and that's, that's a topic for something else. But I think a lot of it comes down to understanding and learning how you can research and uh, applying that, that knowledge um, to help better um, society really in general so that's you know like I said that's why I'm going for it and it's it's more, again it's about the values what you value um, you know at the end of the day if it's if it's about the salary then you know perhaps looking in another direction might be the the, the best choice uh, you know sports teams uh, professional sports teams or something like that but um, you know for me it's about the learning becoming a scholar and uh, helping advance more of the educational outlook for for healthcare and athletic training. To be realistic, I will say, like I, I always say that because I, I don't want that to be the motivation for people doing it because in reality, you're going to spend money on education. Unless you have a full scholarship, it's going to cost you money to get either of these three degrees. So I just don't want salary to be the overall pursuance of doing it. Um, I did get a little bit of a salary bump. It is kind of like Matt said, it is very variable depending on where you work. Our university values clinical doctorates. Um, 
almost to the same extent that they do PhDs, but that is not, you know, that is not commonplace at all in universities. So you do have to know, even like our high school system, if I were to get a doctorate, I got a stipend that was like $5,000 more, but not all school districts are going to do that. So you should be aware of, you know, what that is, but I don't think that $5,000 stipend is going to be the be all end all for you spending 20, 30,000. Um, on a degree, if you will. I think the thing that I love the most about, I went to ATSU for my DAT, and the thing I love the most is that everything that I learned was directly applicable to the setting in which I worked in. Like I could literally learn something in module four and then be able to apply that into the clinical setting immediately. And I think for me, what I saw was Athletic trainers often think so individually. That's like a fault of ours. We think about like us as an individual or our individual school that we work at. And we don't, we tend to forget about like the larger system. And I think I learned so many lessons that allowed me to show value in my position, like at the school or at the school district. And that in itself, like changed the game for my position, right? It wasn't necessarily like I immediately got $2,000 on my salary. It was how am I changing the game and then showing my value in this position and then getting a second athletic trainer hired or, you know, whatever, expanding athletic training and the value and the view of athletic training within the setting that I'm working in. And I think overall, that's the mindset that we have to have to progress our profession. You getting a $5,000 raise is not changing things for the profession, right? We're still going to see those low paying jobs on the thing. But if we can start to create this value in athletic training and in our positions, that's how we ultimately change the game. So I think if you're looking to pursue additional education, you have to make sure you're in the right mindset. I, I don't think we want a bunch of people that are solely individually focused going out and getting these degrees because it's not fulfilling what we're, we're looking to do as a profession. I. 100% second that it is you are learning the skills to prove your value and that's what's going to make the impact it's not just the letters at the end of your name are going to instantly give you whatever but when you're able to take those skills and prove to people not only are you an advanced practice clinician but you're able to speak the language of the system itself you're able to integrate um, QI and uh, like fix problems at a systems level, not an individual level, but you're able to show your worth to the whole group system. That's where the value comes into it. And so it's a, it is definitely a long game. It's not a short game, but if your value system is there, the long game is the purpose, right? That's the point of doing this. And so that's where you're going to see those dividends add up. And if you're coming into it just to say, I'm going to get five grand, 10 grand, whatever, it's not gonna make, it's never gonna make financial sense. But if you're doing it because this is what you value, then that's going to push you forward and, and help you sustain yourself through the process. I right. guess tangible yeah. example, sorry, because I think people no, no. want like tangible examples. Like when I started, I was at the high school, I was making a flat salary, like I did not just get money bumped on, but now I am the leader of three athletic trainers. Like when I came here, there was no coordinator of athletic training services. Like that is something I created because I was able to identify certain administrative tasks that needed to be done. I was able to take the leadership to do it. And obviously I make significantly more now than I did when I first started, but that's not as a result of just like them handing out stipends. It's because I was able to talk to the right players. I went to student affairs. I went to the people that I needed to, 
and I showed them what I could do. I showed them here, you can save money. I showed them here, we have so many patients and there's a demand and we can't handle it. We need to hire more people. Like I was a staff of one and now a staff of three and I lead that staff of three and I make significant, yes, we all like money. I hate to say like, it's not about the money. I mean, we do like it, right? But I was able to advocate for what I needed and I have a way bigger budget. I have a way bigger salary. I have a way bigger staff because of the things that I learned and being able to change the system in the way that the people above me look at our position and our program. So I think I wouldn't have been able to do that without my doctor of training degree. But, uh, yeah, and to look at the whole scheme of things, this is, you know, an advanced degree like this is an investment on yourself. Um, and, you know, how do you want to impact the, the whole spectrum of, of things? Um, and I think for me through this, yeah, I am investing in myself, but, you know, what differences and changes do I want to make as a result of that? And that is my end goal. All right. So one of the other questions that Stefan had was, why should I consider the DAT? And I think you guys have pretty much covered that. And, you know, it's talking about the leadership. It's about making the system-wide change. It's about being clinical practice. Uh, Dr. Harris just said that because she was able to identify uh, these things and places we could save money or make more money or the way that you can improve patient outcomes by being able to look at that, knowing who to talk to, how to talk to, when to talk to them. That's going to be the big difference. If you're planning, sounds like if you're planning to work in a college university research teaching setting, then you really need to pursue the PhD. Again, focusing not on how much more money can I get? Cause I already talked about here in my district, I don't have a master's. If I get uh, if I go straight to a doctorate, I would get $1,500 more per year. I'd get an extra $1,500 per year for having the doctorate. So if I stayed in my career here at Passing ISD for the next 20 years, and I spend $32,000 on a doctorate degree, then essentially I've lost $2,000 over the course of those 20 years, making an extra $1,500. So if I'm doing it to change the job to change the setting and what I really want to do is be able to lead our group of athletic trainers and and positively impact the next and the next and the next set of athletic trainers that come through here then at that point that's where I need to learn hey maybe I need to do something else you feel you guys feel like you have anything else to add on the question for Stefan why should I consider the DAT I get really passionate I'm sorry I could go on and on about this all the time um, I think that people also need to realize that our profession is changing right now. Like it is an infinite, like we are about to go a very large change in our profession. And I, I guess I speak for YP because obviously I'm on that committee, but I think for me too, it's about timing because I think with the move to the professional masters, yes, a lot of programs have already moved, but we, we don't have a lot of athletic trainers that are doctorally prepared with any of these three degrees. So I think if it's something that you're looking to do in the future, even if you're maybe not sure that you're looking to go into education specifically, but you know that eventually you're gonna to wanna to transition probably out of the traditional high school or collegiate role and you may want to do something else, I think now is a time to kind of start that venture because they're gonna be looking for more educators to help kind of move to the next level, right? We need people who are doctorally prepared to to teach our next generation of athletic trainers. And I think there's gonna be a really high demand for that in the next kind of five to 10 years.
for sure, as we fully transition to the master's level, as people start to respect athletic trainers a little bit more, as other professions around us start to elevate their degree, there's going to be a really high demand, I think, for athletic trainers with more education. So I think it's kind of like you said, you're investing in yourself now for the longer term benefit to yourself as an individual and the profession. But I think you know, if you look around in 10 years, you're going to see a lot more DATs around. If you kind of haven't started that process, you're going to be on the back end a little bit. So I do think if you're, if you're interested, it's a really good time. A DAT is mostly a two-year degree. So it's something that you finish really fast. And then you kind of stay on that innovator or that early adopter age, and you open up a lot of opportunity for yourself. Yeah, and also uh, there was a recent research article that came out in ATA regarding the Doctorate of Athletic Training uh, degree and focusing on, you know, whether or not it would be viable for uh, for collegiate level educator to be a collegiate level educator and the higher ability and uh, the correlation was extremely high that yes uh, for athletic training level education and other teachings at the collegiate level uh, in sports medicine or wellness classes, the DAT was extremely viable uh, based on the survey results. So, you know, definitely uh, I'm not going for that personally, but, you know, what I've read through that that research article that was in uh, Journal of Athletic Training, I believe it uh, was in uh, uh, March, it came out it was a really good article and it, it's, it seems like it's you know, very viable for, for teaching. Um, and just like that, you know, there are going to be, a, 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 it's going to be a greater need for um, athletic training educators at the collegiate level, uh, just because to teach master's level, we need more uh, doctorate um, experienced athletic trainers to teach. And there are going to be other courses too. So yeah, I, I definitely think it is worth it. Um, for me personally, I, I, I'm looking to, to diverse, diversify my skill sets. I love athletic training, uh, but I, I like to look into more of the community outreach and interprofessional uh, aspect of it. I think, too, we can't forget that clinical education is still education as well. And we're going to need advanced clinical leaders to educate these students, these future athletic training students, in the clinical setting, in their their uh, rotations as preceptors, we're going to need that extra level. And so it's not just thinking about education as the traditional model of in the classroom at the collegiate level, teaching master's level students. It's, it's people with their doctorate teaching the, those students in the clinic as well with those advanced practice skills, with that advanced practice leadership and modeling those behaviors are going to be important for that next generation of athletic trainers. We know that students value, tend to value their clinical experiences a little bit more than they value their didactic experiences. And so putting the right people in those spots is going to be crucial in the next generation of athletic training education. All right, so one of the big questions makes a lot of sense to me. I have three biological kids, a foster daughter, a wife, and I work at a high school. How do young professionals, which I'm not a young professional anymore, this is year 17 for me, but how do young professionals manage the doctoral requirements 
and the full-time job or family life requirements. Uh, how have you seen them do that successfully? Well, I'll, I'll chime in just because I have, I have two kids. Uh, I have a toddler and an eight-year-old. I have a wife. I have a job that, you know, at times requires me to work uh, 50 hours a week, if not a little bit less or more, uh, depending on clients that I pick up. I travel a lot. Um, for me, the reason why uh, I feel like this can work for me because everything is asynchronous. Uh, uh, you know, the coursework is, um, and really, I don't, I don't know, but it seems like the, the course load is light, uh, three to six credit hours a, a semester starting in summer. So I feel like with my time management, um, I can, I can make that work. Um, for me, too, is I am, I, I create lists uh, on a notebook every morning, even on the weekends. And I know I, I'm, I'm pretty, um, crazy about it but it's it i have stuff timed out on how long i should be working on something uh, and if i don't get it done i stop there but I, you know i i focus a lot on my time management and um you know i think that because of that it's going to help me with juggling even even looking at committee stuff too i'm on two two professional committees um you know i do other outreach stuff but it, it, it's it's the time management aspect, writing down lists, uh, talking it over with my spouse, and letting her know that hey, you know I have to do this that, and even creating a, a calendar to to mark down days where I'll be on calls or busy or, or stuff like that. So I feel that it could work for me and any of those who are going and pursuing this. You know, time management, making a list is going to be crucial for you uh, to do that. You're going to run yourself crazy. I'll be 100% honest, but we're athletic trainers. I think we're used to running around crazy. So, I mean, you're doing it for good benefit. I have a two year, two and a half year old and a husband who coaches division one football. Um, so I have lots of things going on. My biggest thing, and I always say this about anything is make sure that the stakeholders in your life are fully aware. So make sure that they know what your overall goal is so that they can help support you. Um, I think, I'm blessed to have coworkers who know my demands, right? So they're used to me double duty at all times. Like they're used to clinic is going on right now and I'm on a podcast because I'm double duty, right? They know that I'm gonna be doing my homework for school while not on the field. Like that's normal for them and, and they have to know that, right? People know that my son, when I get home at night might pop into a meeting. It is not uncommon for you to meet my son Trey sitting on my lap during a Zoom call if it's after six o'clock, like that's just, part of having me like do something, right? So I always kind of let people know upfront everything that I'm dealing with. Um, I think as young professionals, if I could have learned to say no earlier in my career, it would have been good. I think when you're young, you're really afraid to say no because you want every possible opportunity. So you say yes to everything um, and you kind of drive yourself crazy. But I think you also have to prioritize kind of like Scott said, make lists, make sure that the things that you are doing are in fulfillment of your goals and not just kind of doing them just to do them, right? You wanna have value in everything that you're doing, whether it be for yourself towards your goal, you know, or, or towards the overall organization's goal. But I think be honest, make sure that the people in your life are supportive towards whatever it is that you're doing. 
um, so that they can kind of help you throughout the process. But it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. I always laugh because we used to have to do discussion board posts in my DAT. And sometimes I would wake up the next day and be like, what did I write? Like the first thing I would do in the morning is like log in to make sure whatever I wrote actually made sense because I would be doing things so late at night and so tired after work. So I would have to tease and like wake up the next day in anxiety to make sure that I didn't like say anything crazy or anything that didn't make sense. So it's going to be hard. Acknowledge the fact that it's going to be hard. And it's going to be worth it. And just make sure that the people around you are supportive and, and able to help you throughout that process. I think, I think the term balance is a misnomer because it, 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 brings up the idea that something is 50 50 and in reality going through this program there's much more of an emphasis on the, the coursework and the workload um, but like nikki just said letting the people around you and your support system help you and know that for at least these two years this is going to be an emphasis but as we talked about earlier the emphasis is heavy now for an ability to progress yourself further way down in the in the future i also want to say for for what nikki's doing like it takes people like her to normalize that sort of activity and the more we normalize it the 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 easier it's going to be for people to be able to do that so doing your homework while you're at a game or at practice you got to get that stuff done but that's for everyone around her looking saying oh like she's dedicated i can do that too it's it's a uh, almost like a snowball effect as, as we do this. But I really think that it's not a balance. It is, uh, it's very heavily weighted to one side, but getting through that, pushing through that, and then coming out on the other side, you're able to then use that as leverage to pull that weight the other direction and really push yourself forward. Good, I like the, it's not necessarily a balance. You're still maintaining what, what most people are now are saying is life balance, that of work-life balance but that you're emphasizing this during this time. And again, talking like Dr. Harris said, letting everybody know, hey, this is what we're doing. Everybody's good. Okay, let's do this. And then from there, you move forward with the decision. So actually, it was kind of an issue with my wife and I in, in this position that I'm applying for because I more or less just said, hey, I'm applying for this position. I didn't say, hey, Sarah, this position came available. What do you think about it? And so for me, it was just like, okay, look, I feel like God put me at this place at this time for this reason to help lead them. That's the reason I, I just happen to be having conversations about getting my DAT, PhD, or EDD at this time. And this position just became available at this time, which we weren't expecting. I've been having conversations for a while about how, what we can do to improve. I got, I feel like there was just all this stuff like saying, Hey, this is where I'm leading. But I didn't go and talk to my wife and say, hey, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this? And so I failed there in not allowing my circle in on that and making sure everybody was on board. Happy wife, happy life, Jeremy. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I, I'm yeah. usually pretty good, and I do admit <laughs> when I make that mistake. You know, So it's like, all right, look, I'm sorry. What can we do? Let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. And, you know, we work through it, and we go from there. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a great point, Jeremy. Uh, you know, talking to your your spouse, significant other about it. I did that. Uh, so, you know, when I was thinking about this in, in January, um, I, I talked to my wife about it. And, you know, it was going to be based off of really 
her because you know helping out with with kids and stuff like that and she was like more excited than me and that like that the support really drove me to want to pursue this even more because you know I have her support um, and that was yeah like well okay <laughs> so uh, you know talking it over with your spouse significant other absolutely you know is a must uh, in this instant um, just because it's it's an extra time commitment it's, it's extra expenses obviously um, and you know I I was I was fortunate to have you know uh, my significant my spouse uh, you know hundred percent hundred and ten percent support me in this in this venture. I just point out single people matter too. I'm sorry, because I think we get caught. I'm a, a spouse, so I get caught up in spouses, but it matters to everybody, right? So make sure my athletic training student knows I'm going to be in meetings sometimes. Just whoever your support system is, make sure they know. And I, you know, obviously spouses, there's a financial aspect and all of that, but I think make sure your support system knows whoever that, whatever that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Scott. That was one of my pet peeves right there, 110%. I know. I'm sorry. I was thinking about 100%. Let's see that because there's no <laughs> such thing as 110%. Unless you're talking about like a growth, then then it makes sense, you know. But well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm all about the data and ROI and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm looking at this as ROI. All right. One of the questions that Stefan asked was, "How can I use my doctoral degree in AT?" So obviously, I think you guys have covered that. You can teach. You can lead where you are. Um, anything else that you want to add in there? Um, you know, like you said, you're building the Scott's going for his EDD for the interprofessional communications and relations. Um, so, anything else you guys want to add to that? I would just say, as a program administrator, like I said, there's been a lot of perks, but I've used it so much to again game leadership for myself in terms of my position. But I always give a little example. We took a health information technology class in mine, and we had to gather some data like from our actual clinical practice. And one of the coolest things that I did was get our turf field replaced. Right, that's like a very easy thing for somebody who works solely as a clinician. We counted how many injuries we had and the type of surface that we had in a very simple excel sheet and then we gave it to our administration and they said something's wrong with this field we've had 24 acl injuries on this field within like a year and a half right and that's like you're helping your patients then it's not about you it's not about your gain individually it's not about the system like you're actually helping your patients because you're learning how to track data in a way that doesn't need any resources right i literally only used an excel sheet and the paper injury reports and i just calculated what was going on but i learned how to present it in a way that it made sense and we got new supplies right so i think it doesn't matter what your setting is you can find value in it so you, you don't have to get hung up on it obviously if you're doing an edd or a phd that's a little bit different but even with the dat at the the most minute level there's so many ways that you can just improve your patient care um, I think in ways that you just don't think of when you learn a traditional, when you're in a traditional professional athletic training program, you graduate and you learn how to take care of patients. But that DAT is going to push you to the next level to kind of look at more outside, outside factors and figure out how it can improve your patient care. So there's lots of applicability um, to your regular traditional athletic trainer too. It's, it's a, it's a multiplier, right? I think it, it's cliche, but it's easier to say what couldn't you do with the DAT in athletic training. I mean, you can do 
everything to the next level, like level yourself up the whole way. And so um, that's the way I see it is because every problem that gets presented can be fixed and can be um, uh, fixed is the only word I can think of right now. But um, the, the DAT is just advancing you forward or any doctoral degree really, but the DAT specifically is advancing you forward into that leadership space um, to do more, to, to level up and to uh, multiply your efforts to creating lasting change. All right. I know, Dr. Harris, you mentioned funding. Um, and I know we've talked about this before on the last two with Matt. Not a whole lot of options available for funding for pretty much any doctorate program unless it's like through your company. So like if you're a, I don't know, an engineer and your company is going to pay for you to get your doctorate so you can research new oil pipelines or something like that, that's that's one thing. But any options that you guys know of for funding to seek your doctorate. So I'm gonna go back on my soapbox about athletic trainers never asking because we do a really bad job of like asking. We just assume there's no funding and then we say we're not gonna do it because there's no funding. Um, so that's my soapbox, I'll get off now. Um, but there are options. I think one of, um, at ATSU, we do have some scholarship options. They're not maybe full scholarships of that nature, but there are some options to kind of lower the cost. Obviously there is, if you're working in a university setting, there is usually some type of terminal degree program. Um, if you're willing to like stay on with the university for a certain amount of time, um, they can help assist with that. I know one thing I think which will become a little bit more common as we get more DAT programs specifically. Um, I know at FIU, for example, our preceptors qualify if they do a certain amount of hours with a student, our preceptors qualify for tuition discounts um, or reimbursement. So that's a really good way if you have a DAT program or a program that's willing to do that in your local area, um, I think that's an option as well. So I think our preceptors get three credits a semester or something to that nature for free for being a preceptor. So that allows them to use those three credits at FIU, whether it be a DAT or a PhD or an EDD, which lowers the cost, you know, without really doing anything different than what you're doing now. Um, so I think be creative. We're really creative in nature, but we have to ask. Like, you have to go to your administration and ask if there's programs. You know, this is not something that's just going to, they're not going to throw the money at you and say like, hey, Dr. Harris, do you want to go do a degree? We'll pay for it. That's not um, generally how it works. So I definitely think before you consider anything, like go ask around, ask the programs that are close to you, ask your school, ask your school district, um, kind of seek out all of your options to see if there's anything that can help you reduce those costs. It's a little bit more difficult, I think, than undergrad. I haven't seen anybody at this point that's gotten like a full scholarship unless they're doing like a GA or a DA um, type program, which there are some of those that exist, but be creative. And I think there are options to kind of help lower your costs that I have seen. Yeah, there are. I've heard of the, uh, the preceptors um, qualifying to at least get a discount or uh, I believe uh, another individual that's going through the same program, she's going to be a preceptor. And I think she's getting her funding for, for free. Um, I, that's, that's what I've heard from her. But uh, yeah, there are some options. Just ask anything. That's, that's, that's great advice. Uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm going to try uh, to pay a, a, a great portion on my own 
Um, but I'm also, I have some, some loans that are on the back burner too. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the direction that I'm going to just to test it out and see what's going on and see what I can do on my own. But, you know, uh, we'll go from there. I think the one benefit is remember most of these programs, you're working while you're doing them. So when we were like in a professional master's program, I wasn't working. And if you were working, it wasn't enough to like pay for your education, but you are for the most part going to be having a full-time job. So there is the option to take it slow. A lot of the programs do also allow you to do it one class at a time if that's what you want to do. And if you want to be a little bit more fiscally responsible, you know, you kind of have the option of taking one or two classes at a time and trying to kind of you know, pay it as you go. I think that's a, an option that people shouldn't forget either. Right. And uh, for me, for, for the program that I'm going for, it's, it's offered for 10 years. So like, say for instance, I started and then in a year and a half, something, something happens like, you know, family, something comes up and I'll have to, I, I won't be able to continue. Well, that position will still be open for for another nine, eight and a half years for me, if I want uh, to resume that maybe in two years. Um, so, you know, taking it one class at a time to at least pay for, for something and, and extending it, I think is extremely, you know, it's viable and, um, you know, it's doable too. Great advice. I think, I think that's one of the beauty, the beautiful things about higher ed too, is that there's so many options to be able to fit your lifestyle. So going back to the, early part of this conversation when Dr. Harris was talking about finding that group or finding that school or finding that program that fits your values, you can do that. You should do that and weigh all the options on multiple levels, not just education, not just content, but financial viability, time-wise, all of those things you should weigh. I mean, at ISU, we do a cohort style. So it's two years, six semesters, one after the other, boom, boom, boom. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that if you know something happens, you can't jump back into the system. Um, but th that's the way we found success and value, but there are other schools that do it different ways. And so if that's not something that fits with your financial idea, there's other options to pursue that. But um, I also think weighing your leverage in the future. So if you're going to your administration and saying, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I can do when I graduate, here's my plans when I graduate or, or throughout the process to improve this system, you can work that kind of that work that angle, work that leverage early and say, help me pay for this. And here's the dividends I'll bring back to you. Um, and I think that's could be an effective way in certain situations to be able to help fund that instead of like, yeah, you just, you know, give me money for school, please. Thank you. Um, but leveraging the education you will be getting um, and your ability to advocate in the future. And I would say use caution when asking in a public forum, because sometimes some people perceive that as, oh, hey, we're not good enough or things like that. So if you, if you ask, use caution, um, but definitely ask. So ask, you know, hey, go up for me in the secondary setting. And I think a lot of the sports medicine broadcast listeners are in the secondary setting, you know, go ask your assistant principal, go ask your coach, go ask your principal, go ask your associate superintendent, your superintendent say, Hey, this is, this is where we are. Go ask your athletic director. This is what I want to do. This is some of the reasons why I want to do this. What can we do? What can we help? Uh, and then definitely, uh, and I was talking to our IT guy, he's a 
black guy. His dad's a pastor. And so the General Baptist Convention or something like that, Southern Baptist Convention, had a, a minority scholarship for pastor's kids as another option, right? So think and look, and, you know, that, that the, like, was specifically for pastor's kids attending a university that were, that were minorities or that were uh, people of color. I think that's the preferred term. I apologize for that. Um, and so there, I know there's other options um, for funding if you just ask and keep asking and keep asking. So just recently I got a, a grant, a $5,000 grant, to buy the Owens Recovery Science, the Delphi blood flow restriction here for the high school. And the reason, one of the big reasons I get the grants is because of the community involvement. You know, I talk about some of the partners like physicaltherapy.com. They donate to the podcast. Well, I can use that money to help pay for the grant, uh, you know, as a community partner for the grant kind of thing. So there's other people who are buying in and that helps say, hey, this is good. This is what we want to do. So it's the same situation. If you have some different people in the community saying, hey, we want you to get this then it may be a different option. So I, I love what Dr. Harris said is you got to ask. We just assume that there isn't, but we just, we just have to ask. It doesn't have to be this way. And that's one of the things about this whole doctorate of whatever it is that you're getting is it doesn't have to be this way. We can be part of this long-term change. It's going to take some hard work, but it doesn't have to be this way. There's different options. Okay, um, just real quick if I want to work in a college or university setting, Dr. Harris, what do you think is the one path that I should choose? As an athletic trainer, I want to work in a college university setting. What do you think? What type of college and university setting? Oh, I don't make this difficult. Just Those are diverse these days. I work in rec sports. You can't just say college or university. What kind of college and university? Well, Got to be very specific with their SMART goals. I'm, I'm the I'm the uh, secondary school athletic trainer. You know, I don't know all the different settings. <laughs> I would I would recommend a DAT if you're if you're in the traditional college setting and you plan on doing primarily clinical practice and you would like to advance your career in one fashion or another. I would strongly recommend a DAT. Find a DAT that is suitable um, towards your interests or or your place kind of within the sports medicine or interprofessional field. All right, Matt, I want to teach either a master's level, uh, entry-level master's, or teaching like at ISU, something like that. What am I going for? Uh, in what capacity do you want to teach? Like not, not working uh, in the athletic training facility. I want to teach athletic trainers how to be athletic trainers. I would probably go in that route. I'd probably go PhD. Um, looking for a program, if you want to teach athletic trainers, looking for a program that focuses on um, something that you're passionate about teaching athletic trainers or teaching athletic trainers in general. Um, again, the DAT can also be an excellent tool to teach clinically. Um, I think it, it, not only will it help you learn how to teach a little bit, but it'll also give you those skills to be able to imbue into the next generation of clinic, clinical scholars. Um, but if you're going to say straight work into academia, I would probably more so pursue a, pursue a PhD. All right, Dr. Harris, I want to stay in the secondary setting, which is true for me. I, I like being in a high school, in the public school setting. I want to stay in the secondary setting. I want to be a leader. I want to help be an agent for change in sports medicine and athletic training. 
What do you think? DAT, all the way. You could do EDD, that's a valid option. You could also do EDD, um, but if you wanna be a leader, like similar to the position you suggested, I think a DAT would take you a very long way. Right, and then I definitely, you know, Matt and I have talked about this. We just paid off our house in April. We are 100% debt-free. I will never again voluntarily borrow money. So, like, if there's some sort of medical emergency and, you know, that kind of thing, that's different. That's a bill. But I will never again borrow money. And so the two years, uh, you know, not not dragging it out over 10 years, but, you know, being able to save up and that kind of thing. For me, having that focus two years, the DAT, it speaks to me more than, oh, let me just – go for this you know a long four or five six year phd but that's why i went through this little uh i don't know if it's called popcorn version but just the bullet points this is what you want this is probably your best option again matt's talked about it multiple times stay true to your core values just like dr harris said don't chase the dollar signs know know what you're doing and why um and then any more questions you can definitely reach out to anyone here that was on the podcast and then there were you know there's plenty more people that they can get you in contact with so with that being said dr matthew Drescher, best way to get a hold of you uh the best way to get a hold of me is probably uh email mdrescher at sycamores.indstate.edu um you can find me on twitter at, at matt underscore Drescher. Um, i'm also on instagram um, at d-r-e-s-c-h-e-m and then the ISU DAT is a partner for this series of podcasts. It was their idea that we just talk about this because it's something that they've been dealing with. And it was, again, perfect timing. And I, and I love the conversation of understanding and growing why. So if you want to find Indiana State, you can find them on Instagram, Indiana State DAT, or on Twitter, ISU ATH Training. So it's A-T-H-L Training. All right, Dr. Nikki Harris over at FIU, Young Prof on AT. Uh, what's the best way... I said young prof on it's young prof on Twitter, but Dr. Nikki, Nikki Harris, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I, I, if you honestly want to respond randomly, Twitter is the best way to go. So like you said, young prof underscore AT on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram as sans S A N D S underscore AT. That's my professional page. So um, I do try to answer most DMS if you want to find me. All right. And Scott Mullet. Yep. Uh, so email is best s m at a t efficiency dot com, or you can look up my business page on Facebook. Just type in a t efficiency. I uh, post a ton about. I'll have this conversation that we have. Uh, post a lot about a t value, data analytics, and uh, healthcare economics. And you know, when looking at the value of of uh, 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 interprofessional or a, a doctorate degree, I think all of them are extremely valuable. And it just depends on what direction you want to go and what you want to do and what uh, opportunity that comes your way. All right. I am Mr. Jeremy Jackson on social media. I love that we have three different doctoral degree programs uh, right here as part of this this podcast again and each one is coming back with the know where you want to go don't chase the dollar signs and then be an agent of change be a difference maker so if you have continued questions about getting your doctorate ask 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 somebody what they got why ask how they got it funded how they paid for it what was a workload 
uh, Scott said his was all asynchronous, which is awesome. You know, that, that way I don't have to worry about, okay, well, Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, I got to go lock myself in the room. Well, I have basketball games at Tuesday nights, that kind of thing. So finding finding what really works for you and then working with the people who are inside of your circle um, and telling them, hey, this is what we're emphasizing right now. Is everybody on board? We're all good. This is kind of what to expect, knowing things will change. Uh, so if you want to check out the ISU DAT program, we already talked about how to do that on social media. And, and I'll have links, but you can also find Dr. Nikki Harris, Matthew, Dr. Matthew Drescher, or Scott Mullet on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is that they shared there. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash doctorate degree. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash doctorate degree. So for Dr. Nikki Harris, Dr. Matthew Drescher, uh, Scott Mullet, Jeremy Jackson and Stefan Baker, who gave us a lot of good questions and content, but couldn't join us today. That is a wrap. Thanks.